This episode is brought to you by Audi Canada. The Canadian Medical Association has partnered with Audi Canada to offer CMA members preferred incentive on select vehicle models. Purchase any new qualifying Audi model and receive an additional cash incentive based on the purchase type. Details of the incentive program can be found at audiprofessional.ca. Explore the full line of vehicles available to suit your lifestyle. The Audi driving experience is like no other. Childhood asthma is concerning for parents and rates have been steadily increasing over the years. It is a leading cause of childhood chronic disease. Many clinicians, researchers, and parents would like to know its causes and how to prevent it. I'm Dr. Matthew Stanbrook, Deputy Editor for the Canadian Medical Association Journal. Today, I'm speaking with two of the authors of a new research article published in CMAJ. In this new study, the authors have looked at whether or not there is an association of use of cleaning products with respiratory health in young children. I've reached them in Vancouver. Hello to you both. Hello. Hi, good morning, Matthew. It's great to have you here. To start, can you each tell us a bit about who you are? I'm uh, Tim Takaro, a physician scientist at Simon Fraser University in the Faculty of Health Sciences. I study gene-environment interactions and health impacts of climate change. And um, my name's Jacqueline. I'm a graduate student also at the Faculty of Health Sciences at SFU. Tim is my supervisor, and my interest lies in looking at indoor exposures and how that might affect a child's uh, development of asthma and allergies. Now, in 2018, we published here at CMAJ a related study to yours on the link between cleaning products and the gut microbiome at that time. How is this new study related to that previous one we published? Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, that's a work out of Anita Kazursky's lab, and she also works with child. So that publication was helpful for us to understand maybe why we're getting the results that we are. So as you mentioned, that looked at clean products, namely disinfectants, and the diversity of the gut microbiome. The diversity of a gut microbiome has a lot to do with the immune development of a child. So if we can find that clean products are important to affecting that diversity, then of course it's going to be important to overall immune health. And um, what we did that was a little bit different though, is that we looked at a lot more cleaning products. So they focused on disinfectants, but we took a more cumulative approach to looking at 26 cleaning products in the home to hopefully give a better view overall of all of the products that are being used. All right, so let's get into this new study then. Describe for us what the new study focused on. Um, So this study looked at household cleaning products used in early life, which is when the child's about three to four months of age, although we assume that people's cleaning product behaviors are fairly consistent. And then we, we looked, this is all data coming from the child cohort study, at the development of outcomes relating to asthma and allergy at three years of age. So we had responses from parents based on how frequently they use 26 common household cleaning products in the home. And then based on those responses, we gave everyone a score that had to do with the the frequent use of cleaning products in the home. So a higher score, meaning that they use products more frequently overall than someone with a lower score. And then using those scores, we looked at in which home people developed asthma, recurrent weeds, atopy, which is like an allergic sensitization to common allergens, um, and a combination of the last two. And then we could see that there was a relationship there between children who um, were in homes or grew up in homes where cleaning products were used more frequently 
uh, were more likely to develop these diseases that we looked at. All right. Now, as an asthma specialist myself and an asthma patient and the father of children with asthma, I'm especially interested in this study of yours. But for those who who are are less knowledgeable about what we know about asthma pathogenesis than I am, can you perhaps elaborate a bit on why exposure at three to four months is the ideal time to look at this uh, question? So three to four months, um, What we're finding more and more when it comes to asthma science and things like that is that the first year of life is so, so important to setting up a child's trajectory for what diseases and outcomes they'll get later on. So when we're looking in early life, that's when we have the respiratory system developing. That's when we have the immune system developing. So exposures that they're getting at that point in their life are going to be especially important to setting them up for the rest of their development. Um, Also, when they're that young, there's still some modulation that can happen to the actual respiratory epithelial cells when they're exposed to these chemicals, and it can cause remodeling. So then it'll make them less able to respond and react to allergens and exposures in the future that a normal functioning lung would be able to react to normally. So you've looked at these exposures to a whole long list of cleaning products early in life, and then you've looked at age three for uh, allergy and atopic outcomes. So what did you find? What were the main results here? Um, So the main results here was that children who grew up in a home with a higher frequency of cleaning product use in early life, as we determined at three months of age, had a higher odds of recurrent wheeze, asthma, and a combination of recurrent wheeze with ATP which is that allergic sensitization we talked about. But we didn't see that strong of a relationship or much of a relationship with allergic sensitization. So that was interesting. And what was also interesting was that we actually had a stronger relationship that we saw in girls than boys. Um, So we had those outcomes. And then when we looked at these specific cleaning products to see, okay, for people that use product A more frequently versus less frequently, was there a difference in how they develop these diseases. And there was an increased risk associated with uh, the frequent use of sprayed products in particular. So air fresheners, um, deodorizers. We also saw this with disinfectants like um, hand hand sanitizers and oven cleaners, for an example. So that can give us an idea of where this risk that we're seeing with the overall frequent use of cleaning products score that we derived, um, where most of that risk might be coming from. Let's unpack these findings a little bit. So first of all, it seemed to be the association with asthma that stood out rather than with atopy. Um, Does that surprise you? Do you have an understanding of why that might be? Yeah, we think this is because the uh, chemicals in the cleaning products are operating through the innate immune response as opposed to the allergic immune response. And um, this would be consistent with adult occupational studies with cleaning products as well, where it's not really an IgE-mediated response, but um, more neutrophilic and uh, IgG-mediated response. So uh, we think that it is an irritant-based um, innate immune response. We know that the immune response in asthma is typically related to uh, the T-lymphocyte phenotype as well, specifically the switch from a, a T-helper-1 to a T-helper-2 phenotype. Is that, do you think, related to the associations you found? Uh, that's a great question and one that we think deserves further study with these compounds um, directly, perhaps even uh, in a chamber uh, or more controlled setting. That um, is very important, uh, certainly as a determinant of future risk of asthma in children, 
whether or not you are dominated by a Th1 mediated immune response or a Th2 mediated immune response. And because these chemicals in these products did not elicit an, a sensitization response or an allergic response, it may be more along the lines of the mechanism by which, uh, for example, cigarette smoking causes asthma, which is modulating the Th1, Th2 ratio, but not towards the dominant Th2 paradigm, so not an allergic acquired immune response. So now what about the sex difference that you found with the, the risk seeming to be higher among females than males? What do you make of that? Yeah, this was interesting and not something we expected. Although once we got into the literature, it does appear that others have found this. Uh, for example, there's a study in Saskatchewan uh, looking at smoking in the prenatal period, and that effect was greater in girls. And also, uh, there are a few studies to show that uh, the effect of mold, which can be either an innate immune response or an allergic immune response, um, that that too uh, has been shown to be greater in uh, women than in men. So while it's somewhat surprising, there are indications from the literature that there is something different about the sexes with regards to its uh, response to irritant uh, exposures in the environment. Yes, and we know gender can interact with, with how asthma comes out and, and what stage of life it comes out and with severity. Is there any understanding of the biology between sex and, and the association you've observed or do those studies remain to be done? I would err on the latter there. I think they do uh, remain to be done. There's been some indication that hormonal activity is modulating the effect, but I think uh, it's very early days in understanding that. So then we come to the exposures. You've got a, a whole host of cleaning products here, and you found associations uh, with them globally and then with some more than others. Um, how do you fit all that together? Why do some types of cleaning products stand out more than others, do you think, with this association with asthma development? So certainly there is a lot of science out there about what is in these types of, of clean products, but we don't know that to an exact science yet. There is a lot of lack of regulation around what products um, and companies need to disclose about their products. So it's a combination of what's in these products that can be caustic or inflammatory or create these other volatile organic compounds that we react to as much as it's the way that we apply these products. So the ones that we found that were quite interesting with our results was the ones that were applied through more of a spray mechanism or became aerosolized. Um, and we think that's because it helps with facilitating the exposure to a person's lungs. So yes, it can then settle on dust, which you inhale later, or the actual spraying of a product can be entering your lungs then. Um, other studies have found that the chemicals that you can detect in the air after a cleaning behavior or a cleaning act stays concentrated for a number of hours, and that it's actually more concentrated at, say, a two-foot level than a five-foot level, which in our case, we're looking at infants, of course, and that seems to be where infants hang out a lot. Um, so that's why we think we're seeing these results with these cleaning products, per se. So yes, it's the, the chemicals and the compounds that are in them. Um, there's some association with like phthalates that are given off that we also know are harmful as well as um, how these products are being applied. So the actual spraying of a product is more dangerous than 
say just putting it on a cloth and then wiping the cloth on the counter. So a lot of different factors in, involved in those associations, it seems. But even beyond that, we know a great deal about many different factors and uh, associations with an increased uh, risk of asthma. How did you account for, for other confounding factors that might uh, explain the increased prevalence of, of asthma you observed in these three-year-old children? Yeah, so that's a great question, and it's always an important consideration with these types of studies. So as a scientist, you want to make sure that the relationship that you're seeing is actually the relationship between your exposure and your outcome of interest. So that's why we adjust for a number of variables that we think could be playing a role in this relationship. So, for example, we looked at um, prenatal or early life tobacco smoke exposure, the sex of the child, the ethnicity of the child, uh, parental history of asthma household income, their location of these children, so which city of the four in the child cohort study they lived in, um, whether there was visible mold in the home and pet ownership. And so to dig into these a little bit, so you want to make sure that, say, parental history of asthma isn't clouding your judgment of your results. And this would be something that we adjust for because you want to make sure that the increased risk you're seeing for something like asthma isn't because, one, the kids um, with parents who have an allergic or asthmatic disease are just more likely to develop it. And two, that maybe asthmatic parents might be more likely to use cleaning products more frequently than others. So by adjusting for these variables, you kind of get rid of that um, potential confounding that could be happening with your results. Now, I have to ask this question as a clinician. How are you sure that these three-year-old children actually have asthma? Because, of course, it's really hard to make an objective diagnosis of asthma before about the age of six when children can reliably perform the objective spirometry testing that you, you need to confirm the diagnosis. So are you certain that you're observing asthma here? Yeah, it's a great question. We, um, we pick these outcomes because they are associated with asthma later in life, and you're absolutely right, that it's very hard to diagnose a three-year-old with asthma, um, in, in part because you don't uh, have the spirometry measurements. Um, but in this group, we do, um, in a subgroup anyway, have some spirometry measurements from infancy. That's in the Toronto sub-cohort. So we will get some information from that. We don't have it yet. But also, the recurrent wheeze with ATP is about 70 to 80% associated with asthma at age five in most studies. So um, that's a very strong indicator. And all the numbers there are, are small um, in this cohort, but they are consistent. So recurrent wheeze, we find this about 30% increased risk. The uh, risk goes up to 49% when you add ATP to recurrent wheeze. So those are um, generally thought of as precursors to asthma. And the only way we will uh, really be able to answer your question will be um, when these kids are uh, between five and eight years old, when the diagnosis becomes much more clear and we have spirometric uh, confirmation. I expect that in addition to clinicians, parents of children who have asthma or wheeze may hear about your results and they may wonder, well, should they stop using these household cleaning products? And if they do, could these features reverse themselves? Do you know anything at this point to be able to speak to that question? So that's a great question. And I wish we had the data to actually look at that, whether people would change their cleaning behaviors after seeing an outcome or something in their child. Um, so your question kind of had two parts there. 
the first part being that, um, is it reversible? You had mentioned, but more so I think what's important to know is that people are striving to maintain a healthy home for their children. And part of that comes with maintaining a clean home. So I'm not saying completely throw out all of your clean products, do not clean your house at all. What I'm saying is that people need to maybe question what has become the socially accepted idea of a healthy home, which is a home that perhaps smells like cleaning products and all of that. So we don't necessarily need all of them. Um, and people can be more conscious about which ones maybe they want to use or if they want to look into alternative applications of a certain product to perhaps minimize their risk and their exposure to their child. There's a number of things that people can do to reduce their exposure as parents. So um, one of which being just cutting down on the mixing of products, perhaps stop using multiple products at the same time when you're cleaning, rinsing afterwards, ventilating. Um, using products that have perhaps a smaller ingredient list so that there's less co-exposures that could be happening or secondary pollutants. And then the other part of your question referred to the reversibility of these relationships that we're seeing. So in our study, we focused on that early lifetime um, of exposure because that's so important to the development of asthma and allergy. And Sure, tissues can heal to a certain extent, but in the exposure context that we're talking about, we're looking at more chronic exposure. So on a regular basis, is this child being exposed to these chemicals and cleaning products or not? And when you're exposed chronically to an exposure, it's a lot hard to come back from any damage that they may be getting from these products. So if you have one or two key messages that you want people to take away from your study and remember, what would they be? Um, so one thing I want to say is that the, a healthy home is probably smelling like nothing at all. So if people want to say, what does a healthy home smell like? Nothing. <laughs> and I think that's going to be hard to change, but we need to make a conscious effort to question what we really define as clean when it comes to pollutants in the air. And then on top of that, we can also mention that right now the impact is on the consumers as far as them asking what they want from these product companies and the people that are behind not only making these companies, but regulating these companies' um, expectations and um, enforcing what they can and can't put on the market for people to buy. So I think if people can be more aware about what's in their products, they might be asking more questions and asking for more clear information about what exactly they're buying. Um, and if we can get that kind of support and that kind of questioning from the public, then that'll force more regulators' hands and putting regulations on these companies that release products. The bottom line is that we really should not be experimenting with our children and in our homes with products that are untested. Consumer products uh, should be proven safe before they are marketed. And that is happening now in Europe with the REACH program, but I'm afraid North America is um, uh, quite a bit behind. Well, the child cohort has been teaching us a, a lot about the potential effects of cleaning products on the human body, and your study is the most recent example of that. What's next for this cohort and for your group's research into cleaning products and its effects on the body? What um, we're hoping to uh, accomplish in the next few years is um, a comprehensive look at what um, people are beginning to call the exposome. So this, the exposome represents the cumulative exposures 
throughout your lifetime. So it's quite an ambitious project. But with um, a cohort like the child cohort that we've been uh, following uh, since the babies were in utero, it's a little bit more manageable uh, to consider, for example, all of the oxidative exposures in early life. Our questionnaires through that period of time are quite exhaustive on the order of um, 1,700 to 2,000 uh, variables. And so putting this data together is, is an analytical challenge. There's lots of uh, collinearity. And from a toxicological standpoint, really, you should be adding all of these exposures that might be uh, um, oxidative in the respiratory epithelium. And so that cumulative combined impact of multiple oxidative exposures, including the inflammatory response of the microbiome, um, inflammatory response to diet, stress. Our goal in child is to combine these exposures and the genetic uh, susceptibility of our children to understand the origins of asthma and allergy. Well, that's some very interesting and and cutting-edge work and very important, I think. Uh, I want to thank you both for joining us today to uh, talk about the most recent example of what you've generated from this. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I've been speaking with Ms. Jacqueline Parks and Dr. Tim Takaro. Ms. Parks is a graduate student in the Faculty of Health Sciences at Simon Fraser University in Vancouver, British Columbia. Dr. Tim Takaro is a physician scientist trained in occupational and environmental medicine, public health, and toxicology, and a professor also in the Faculty of Health Sciences at Simon Fraser University. To read the research article they co-authored, visit cmaj.ca. Also, don't forget to subscribe to CMAJ Podcasts on SoundCloud or a podcast app, and let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating. I'm Dr. Matthew Stanbrook, Deputy Editor for CMAJ. Thank you for listening.